Amen, indeed. For That is our prayer as we gather each week to worship, that we would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner man, in our inner being. And God's means of doing that in the life of the believer is through the working of His Word. His Holy Spirit works through the preaching, the teaching, the reading, the studying, the meditation upon the Word, and He grows Christ in us. So that is our great desire today, that we would be strengthened in our inner man and that we would be strengthened in our, man so, in our inner man so that we would live holy lives to the praise and glory of the name of the Lord. If you have a Bible this morning, and I hope you have one, please open with me to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua chapter 1. We're going to take just a brief um, one-week break from the exposition, the study of the book of Galatians. We finished chapter 3 last week, and um, I'll be out of town next week, so I thought it was a good time to, to take a break, to take a one-week break. And we will be studying on Wednesday nights the, the book, Strong and Courageous. So I thought how appropriate to look at the passage where the Lord does indeed tell Joshua to be strong and courageous. So we're going to look this morning at Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. There's a lot of backstory that we'll have to pick up as well as we look at this. But we're going to look at that under the title, and this should come as no surprise, to be strong and courageous. So I want to read our text, and I want to back up to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 34 is the last chapter before the book of Joshua. And to set us a little context, we'll um, begin at Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, and read through Joshua 1, verse 9. And um, Deuteronomy 34 is the report of Moses' death. And so these verses, verse 9, comes right after the death and burial of Moses. So let's read together, and then we will ask the Lord to bless our time together, and then we will look at God's instruction to be strong and courageous. This is the word of the living God. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him, and he did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants, and all his land, and for all the mighty power, and for the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. So there was no servant like Moses, but Moses had died. So let's continue now, Joshua 1. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. 
For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Father, we come to you now, and we understand that The preaching and teaching of your word, should it bear any fruit, is only a miraculous work of your Holy Spirit at work through the preacher and at work through us who hear the word and seek to apply it. So Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that are humble and ready and eager to receive and apply the truth before us today. Lord, would you glorify yourself among us today by taking your word and writing it upon our hearts. I pray, Lord, that it would be pleasing to you to teach and instruct, to reprove and rebuke, to break and cause repentance in our lives. Lord, for you are a holy God. Who can stand before your holy presence? Lord, for it's only those who have clean hands and a pure heart. And those clean hands and that pure heart are only available through Jesus Christ, the Savior, Redeemer, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So Lord, may we see and know more of you, more of Christ today as we study your scriptures. Lord, may we be humbled. May we be broken. Lord, may we be sanctified. As Jesus prayed, Lord, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. As followers and disciples of Christ, what more could we desire, God, than to be made more like our leader, our Savior, our shepherd, our God? So, Lord, by your grace, through the power of your Spirit working among us, please do more abundantly than we could even ask or think. Lord, cause us to desire to live in a way that is pleasing and honoring to you. And pray all this now in the name and for the glory of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church. Amen. So as we look at Joshua chapter 1, we have this this story. We, We see Israel, God's chosen people, are set to enter into the promised land. And as they're set to enter into the promised land, there's a transition of power. There's a transition of leadership, for Moses has died. Joshua is God's chosen man now to step in, to take up the mantle, and to lead the people into the promised land. And now as we read this text, we have to understand who is speaking here. Where is the Lord, all uppercase, Yahweh, the great I am, the one who has always existed, 
the one who always will exist, the one who holds all things together by the working of his hands. And throughout this text, he mentions one thing repeatedly. Be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. So as we read that repeatedly in this text, surely we can sit back and say this is the clear focus. This is the clear intention of this passage for the Lord to command Joshua and to command us, the Lord's servants, thousands of years later, to be strong and courageous. Specifically, the Lord, I think, tells Joshua three ways that he must be strong and courageous. He must be strong and courageous in leading God's people. He must be strong and courageous in overtaking the enemies of God's people, those people who still reside in the promised land when Joshua leads the people in to go reside and live in and occupy that promised land. The Lord also tells him to be strong and courageous as he pursues to walk in holiness, in holy obedience to all that is written in God's word. So if that's what the Lord tells Joshua, that's what the Lord is telling us today. That is the main point of our message today. We must be strong and courageous in serving God's people. We must be strong and courageous in seeking to be faithful to God's plan. And we must be strong and courageous in seeking to obey all of God's word. Now, if you're like me, you see this repetition, you understand that the Lord is making a clear point to Joshua. So you understand the clear point is being made, but there's the question, why is this point being made for? Joshua is not new on the scene. Joshua had been Moses' servant since his youth. If we were to go read Numbers 11, we would be introduced to Joshua, who lived and grew as one who walked alongside of Moses. He was one of Moses' closest companions, most likely, his servant for many, many years. Before Moses' death, we read in Numbers 27, that the Lord commanded Moses to give some of his authority, to give some of his leadership of the people of Israel to Joshua, so that the people would learn to obey and to follow Joshua. Moses, the faithful, obedient man he was, did exactly that. He bestowed some of his authority and leadership to Joshua, and the people, the Israelites, saw that, and they obeyed Joshua. They followed him. He was one of their leaders. So with that, we read this repetition, and we ask, why is that repetition there? Why, why does Joshua need to be told three times to be strong and courageous? Well, I think a look at the life and then the death of Moses will be a, a clue to us. It will help us answer that question. Um, from Moses' birth through his early adulthood there when he lived with the Egyptians, essentially growing up in Pharaoh's household, we see that the hand of the Lord was obviously on Moses' life. He was a blessed man. And then later into his adulthood, he was called out specifically and pointedly by the Lord to come back to Egypt and to lead God's people in their exodus from the tyranny of Pharaoh. Moses was the leader to lead the exodus. At that calling, Moses was absolutely full of doubt. 
Moses was wondering, how will I stand up to Pharaoh? I'm nobody, and this man commands armies and armies and more armies. He has been able to oppress my people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, for generations. So how am I going to go now stand up to him? Moses wondered, why would the Hebrews even follow me? Why, why would they follow my instruction as I grew up in Pharaoh's household and then I left? Why will they even follow me? Moses then asked the Lord, who should I even tell them who sent me? They're going to ask, on whose authority do I come? So who do I tell? Who do I say sent me? And you know from Exodus chapter 3, you may remember that story from the burning bush where the Lord told Moses, I am who I am. I guess I have to not move my head anymore. I am who I am. Thus you shall say, the Lord said to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Yahweh has sent me to you. I think we're about to get a, get a microphone change in just one second. Um, so from that point on, when the Lord told Moses that I am sent you. Go tell them that you are sent from I am. From that point, Moses led faithfully. Moses went and he led God's people in accordance with God's word. Now, they were not without bumps and bruises and detours. Moses did fail at times in his leadership. And typically, those people followed Moses. They knew that he was God's man set apart to lead them. And they followed, again, not without bumps and bruises and detours and correction from the Lord and, and many other things, but they followed, they obeyed, they were faithful. Moses was God's man. He was God's man that was set apart to lead Israel, and he was a man of God. Moses was a faithful and true man of God. The life of Moses, especially his leadership of the people of Israel, gives us some of the most amazing scenes of all of Scripture. Like we've talked about the burning bush, the, the plagues that the Lord brought upon Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the Ten Commandments. That time where Moses comes down from the mountain, his face is shining because he's been in the presence of the Lord. Some of the most amazing, the most memorable scenes of all of Scripture are seen through the life of Moses. As I said, um, leadership, well, that's real hot now. Leadership is not without its bumps and bruises, and neither is technology. But we press on. 
So Moses was a man of God. He walked with the Lord. He was the instrument that God chose to use to lead his people out of of Egypt. He was the man that the Lord chose to use to lead his people to the cusp of the promised land. However, it's now there, just before entering the promised land, that a scene happens that we have to pause and look at. Again, to, to help build this story up, to understand why did the Lord have to repeatedly tell Joshua. We, we want to focus on Joshua, but we've got to get this backstory. Why was it so important to the Lord to tell Joshua three times, be strong and courageous? Let's turn to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, back in the Old Testament, just a few books before Joshua, so you're close already. Numbers chapter 20, and we'll read verses 6 through 12. Again, this is an amazing scene. This is right after the death of Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron. The, the people of God there are grumbling. They're angry. They're upset. They don't even have any water to drink. And so picking up in verse 6, we read that Moses and Aaron came and came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and they fell on their faces. And then the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation, and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them to drink out of the rock, and let the congregation and their beasts drink. And so Moses took the rod from before the Lord just as the Lord had commanded him. So far, so good. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. Again, so far, so good. Then he said to them, listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you from out of this rock? Things are going downhill quickly. And then Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock twice with his rod. Water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. But the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. And those were the waters of Meribah, because the sons of Israel contended with the Lord, and he proved himself holy among them. He proved himself holy among them. Now, we don't know exactly when this takes. There are some who think this is the 38th year of the wandering in the desert. There are some who also think that it is the 40th and final year of wandering in the desert. The year doesn't matter. What we read here is a humbling and heartbreaking story of what happens to Moses when he does not obey the Lord. In in this moment of seeming frustration, Moses decides not to follow the Lord's specific instructions. The Lord told him, go gather the people, gather them at this rock, and speak to this rock. Moses did mostly what the Lord told him. He gathered the people. He was at the rock. He had the rod. But then he became angry. He was overcome with that frustration, that annoyance, and probably even a little bit of arrogance And rather than speaking to the rock, as the Lord told him, he takes his rod and he hits the rock twice while he's basically fussing at the sons and daughters of the Lord, calls them rebels, 
says, here's your water to drink. Now, amazingly, the water does spring forth from that rock. Moses didn't do what the Lord had said, but the water still comes forth from the rock because the Lord is faithful. The Lord provided for his people so they would have something to drink. But Moses and Aaron had clearly, clearly disobeyed the Lord. Verse 12 here in Numbers chapter 20, if you're still there, should be a verse that gives us great, great pause as we read it. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Just pause here and think for a second. We could spend a lot of time right here. But just pause and think about the times that you have not believed or treated the Lord as holy with your words, with your actions, with your motives. This should humble you before the Lord. Think about the careless words that you have spoken, the self-serving actions that you have taken, or your lazy discipleship, that is your lazy following of Christ at times. Lord says, because you did not treat me as holy, because you didn't do exactly as I said, because I am the holy, eternal I am, you will not lead this congregation into the promised land. Think about the times in our lives where we have failed to treat the Lord as holy. Dear friends, Moses was, had given much over time. He had served faithfully before the Lord. He was... God's man who led God's people through many difficult journeys and situations. Even now, he had led them here through the 40 years of wilderness wandering. He had led them, and they were on the edge of the promised land, ready to enter into the land that the Lord had promised for generation and generation and generation. Yet Moses did not treat God as holy. He took matters into his own hands, and he chose to do things his own way. The Lord could not and would not overlook that. The Lord would not overlook Moses' arrogant disobedience. He had direct and specific instruction as to how he was supposed to, to bring forth this water. and Moses decided to do things his own way. There are many applications, and we won't even trail this off, into how the church should gather to worship, how we should worship God according to his truth. But even beyond that, just think about your own life. When you have direct prescriptions of the Lord as to how you're to live, and you fail to do so, you choose not to do so. This was not a falling to temptation in a moment of weakness. This was a direct choosing. I have direct specific instruction from the Lord, and I choose to do my own thing my own way. Think about the many times that you have done that in your life. The Lord told Moses that because of that, he would not take the people into the promised land, which meant because of the Lord's promise that Moses had to die, essentially. Moses was, was going to leave this earth so a new leader could come in and quickly and soonly take the people into the promised land. And so this is a gut-wrenching statement from the Lord. Moses had been faithful. Moses had obeyed. He had led God's people well. 
but he disobeyed. And a lifetime of obedience can vanish in an instant of sin. A lifetime of obedience can be brought to nothing in just a moment, an instant of sin and giving in to temptation. But now doesn't that make you thankful for Christ? Because if you are in him, if you do fall to that temptation, that may bring down whatever the Lord has blessed you with in this life. But there's nothing that can take away Christ from you. There's nothing that can take you away from Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins if we confess them to him and we repent of our sins. But that doesn't mean that there aren't earthly repercussions and earthly consequences. So now let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 34. And we're getting close to getting to to Joshua, but we just want to finish setting up this scene of Moses. So Deuteronomy 34, again, is the death of Moses. And looking at verses 4 through 7, we, we see both the mercy and the holy justice of God in the life of Moses. So at the beginning of chapter 34, the Lord brings Moses to the top of this mountain. He's overlooking all of the promised land. In verse 4 of Deuteronomy 34, says, Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to you and to your descendants. The Lord says, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. You have disobeyed. You will not enter. Verse 5, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, the Lord, buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor, so that no man knows his burial place to this day. Verse 7, this is what is so striking here. And although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor was his vigor abated. He was not in poor or failing health. He was a healthy man. He was old, but he was healthy. So this is a story of the Lord's mercy. The the Lord did not have to go and show Moses the promised land. Moses had spent his whole life seeking to lead God's people to this place. And the Lord could have said, in my justice, I'm putting you to death right now. And you will leave this world and you will come to my presence. God would have been just and he could have done that. But in his mercy, knowing the effort that Moses had put forth to this end, He said, Moses, let's go to the mountain and I will show you this promised land. You will see the spread and the vastness and the beauty of what I'm giving to my people. But you shall not go over there. You will die. You will die not because of failing health, not because of old age, but because of your disobedience at the rock of Meribah. So now coming back to Joshua, why the repeated charge to Joshua to be strong and courageous again because Joshua had a front row seat to what had gone on in the life of Moses. Joshua knew firsthand the account from Deuteronomy 34 verse 10 where the Lord said since that time no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. Simply Moses was again a righteous and faithful man. The Lord didn't stop him They're dead in his tracks because he was a son of Satan. 
The Lord did that because the Lord is holy and Moses had disobeyed. Now, does that mean that the Lord would not forgive Moses? Of course not. Moses is a child of the Lord and, and he is in eternity in heaven with God. But what it reminds us of is that the Lord disciplines and he chastens those whom he loves. He disciplines his children like a loving and righteous and holy father. He does not overlook sin and disobedience. should remind us that the Lord deals very seriously with sin. Again, because God is holy. He is, as the scripture says, holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is full of his glory and points to his holiness. So with that, now that, now that we understand this backdrop, I hope, I hope that sets a picture for you of why the Lord repeated this command. Be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Hopefully we understand now. Joshua's probably shaking in his boots. He is probably thinking, good night, Moses, this, this righteous man stumbled in one place, and the Lord has said, you will not enter in. And so he's shaking his boots, and the Lord says, no, Joshua, you go lead these people, and in doing so, you be strong and courageous. So we want to see that command, and we'll do this semi-quickly. We want to say that command in, in three ways. Firstly, he tells him to be strong and courageous in serving or in leading God's people. We kind of can see as we read verses 1 through 5, we can pick some verses out there and tie them with the commands to be strong and courageous. So firstly, be strong and courageous in serving God's people. Verses 2 through 4, and then they tie to verse 6. Moses, my servant, is dead, the Lord said. Now therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. Now that ties to verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now the first thing that jumps out is the surety of God's promise. He speaks as though this is a done deal. I have given you this land. You go in and you will possess it because I've given this land to my people. I've given it to you just as I spoken to just as I have spoke to Moses. Now, this command to Joshua, he he is told to go and to lead and to serve the people of Israel. Moses is dead. It's time, Joshua, for you to be a man, to take up the mantle of leadership and go and lead these people. Joshua had already been publicly commissioned by Moses. It was a, it was a known fact that Joshua was the next in line, the next in succession to lead God's people. Joshua had, a, had served his appointed time under Moses. He had lived many years in humble servanthood, humble obedience to the Lord and servanthood to Moses to prepare him for this leadership. However, now is the time that he must step up, that he must play the part of a man and he must lead God's people with authority, with faithfulness, with humility, with boldness, with strength, and with courage. 
Now, it's interesting the language that the Lord uses in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land. Now, in the previous verses, it was the Lord giving them this land, but there's almost this sense where, where Joshua is the intermediary. He is the one to whom the Lord gives possession of the land, and then Joshua gives it to the people of God. This is a monumental um, trust of leadership and servanthood and authority of the Lord to Joshua. And the Lord tells him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous in carrying out your duties. And now this is where it's going to be helpful for us to apply this, to see this leadership ultimately as servanthood. For Jesus came, he, he is the leader, he is the head of the church, right? But he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Leadership is often seen in servanthood. So let's apply this to ourselves in the idea of servanthood. For I don't know of any, any living person today who, who is a follower of Christ and, and involved in leading God's people who would have the authority and the leadership that Joshua knew. I mean, you're talking about droves and droves of people, God's people, who he is called to lead into this land. And so we don't, we don't know that type of responsibility today. We, we know much smaller tasks. We have much smaller duties. Now, some people may have larger and more weighty responsibilities than others, especially in certain times and periods of life. But our call is to be faithful. Our call is to be obedient. Our call is to be strong and courageous as we serve God's people. And there are myriads of ways that we are called to serve God's people. And honestly, at times, I think it probably takes a lot more strength. It takes a lot more courage. It takes a lot more discipline and devotion to serve the Lord in small tasks than in big tasks. Most people are driven by a sense of duty. You, you would feel a much greater sense of duty if you're leading a 100,000-person army into battle than if it was just you and your buddy next to you going into battle. You have 100,000 families represented versus one other family. We're driven by that. So a lot of times it takes more devotion, more discipline, more courage to lead in the small tasks to which the Lord calls us. But what we have to realize is we are not given the, the opportunity. We do not have command nor control of what the Lord entrusts to us. All we have is the command to be strong and courageous, the command to be faithful, to do as the Lord has commanded us, to do all that we do to the glory of God. MacArthur, MacArthur often says that the Lord controls the breadth of ministries. The Lord is the one who controls the impact of our lives. What we control is the depth. What we control is how faithful we are our calling. It's the Lord who blesses and brings fruit and multiplies, but we must be faithful. That is what is in our control. So that's being strong and courageous in serving God's people. It's being faithful to serve his people earnestly and devotedly. Now secondly, picking up at verse 5 and verse um, 9, we see the command to be strong and courageous in being faithful to God's plan. In verse 5, it says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. 
I will not fail you or forsake you. Dropping down to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So another way we can consider this is to be strong and courageous in the face of your enemies. To be strong and courageous in the face of Joshua's enemies was to be strong and faithful and strong and courageous in being faithful to God's plan. We've just got all kinds of stuff going on today. This is, this is um, very interesting. Um, so back on track. We, we must be faithful to God's plan. You may have noticed the tie in here in verses 5 and 9. Both, at the end of both verses, the Lord says, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. Will somebody hit this TV, please, with the remote, with the power button on the remote, not actually hit it. All right, I've got, I've got a different mic on. I'm going to be all over the place if I keep seeing stuff popping up. So not only does God promise to be with Joshua, but he promises that he will never forsake him. And that's a promise of the Lord that remains with us today. It's a promise that's picked up in the New Testament. Hebrews 13, 5 says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself, the Lord, has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. That promise of the Lord is sure, and it stands today that he will be with us. He will never forsake us, and it's that promise that undergirds our being faithful to whatever his plan is. Now think about what faced Joshua and the, and the people of the Lord, the Israelites here. If we were to flip through the book of Joshua and just read the headings of the chapters, we would see that there is much before them. They, they firstly had to go overtake the, the city of Jericho. The Lord brought that about through a miraculous bringing down of the walls and, and doing so in a way that nobody would ever draw up in a battle plan. For the Lord said, I will be with you. I will never forsake you. You be faithful to my plan. In chapter 7 and 8 of Joshua, we read of the, the battle with the, the little people of Ai. Just Ai, Ai, the people of Ai. It was where the sin of Achan really cropped up and caused the people of the Lord to be routed and defeated. This was a, a small nation, a small people, and the Israelites thought that they could just send a few people in and wipe them out and keep moving. But there was sin among the Israelites. When they went into Jericho, the Lord had forbidden them from taking certain things. And this man named Achan, he had taken some of the gold and some of the silver for himself. He buried it in the ground in his tent. And the Lord, of course, saw. The Lord knows all of our secret sins. Even if we think we've done something without the Lord knowing, the Lord sees. The Lord knows. And when the Lord saw and knew that there was sin amongst the Israelites, he allowed them to be routed by this small people of Ai. The Lord's anger burned against Achan and against all of Israel for this one man's sin. Joshua went before the presence of the Lord, and the Lord said, Consecrate the people. Purify the people. Tell them to be consecrated unto the Lord, and then you will have your victory. And so Joshua goes back. The people consecrate themselves. Achan admits his sin, the Lord said, when you find the man who has done this, you take him out, you stone him, you burn him, you burn all of his possessions, and then you go fight your battle again. And so Israel did that. 
They found the man, they stoned him, they burned him, they purified themselves, they dealt with the sin among their people, and then the Lord blessed them. The Lord blessed them because they were faithful to the Lord. They were faithful in their obedience. In Joshua 10 and 11, we read about the Israelites going into southern and northern Palestine, taking it by force, continuing to fight faithfully, strongly, and courageously. Joshua 12 is an entire chapter devoted to showing the kings and the nations and the peoples that they overtook by force as they took the promised land. So what does this all mean for us? It's a clear reminder, friends, of God's faithfulness to his people when God's people are faithful to him. When God's people are faithful to walk according to his plans and to forsake sin and to live holy, righteous, and set apart lives. Again, the clearest picture of this is with this man Achan and the people of Ai. When, when the people had conquered Jericho, they, were, they knew that they could go in and, and accomplish what they had hoped because the Lord was with them. But there was sin in the camp. There was sin among God's people. And God is not going to bless his people when they do not walk in devotion and holiness and obedience to him. So again, this point is being strong and courageous and being faithful to God's plan. The first and the primary step to being faithful to God's plan is that we are courageous and strong in forsaking sin. Dear friends, if we don't forsake sin, we are not being faithful to God. The Lord will hold you. He will hold us as a church responsible for our sins. Both if you sin as an individual and if we sin as a church, the Lord will hold us accountable for those things. Outward faithfulness means absolutely nothing when it's, a, when it's not joined with inward holiness. Outward faithfulness is useless, it is worthless, and it is meaningless if you do not have a pure heart before the Lord. Now again, I like to give the disclaimer there that even if you don't want to do the right thing, you still should always do the right thing, even if your heart is not in the right place. Don't want to give a bad motive a, a license to cause you to walk into sin, then you sinned twice. But if you are outwardly faithful but inwardly your heart is dark and dirty and evil and vile and wicked and loves your sin, your outward faithfulness is absolutely meaningless. It's absolutely worth nothing. You're a whitewashed tomb. You're, you're one who is clean on the outside, but inwardly you're dead and decaying. So may we be strong and courageous in being faithful to God's plan. Now, thirdly, we could continue on in that, draw out more, but I want to get to the third point. We want to be strong and courageous in obeying God's word. This is really kind of the climax, I think, of this passage, verses 7 and 8. The Lord here still speaking, Yahweh, he says, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. So the Lord's commands, be strong and courageous in serving his people and serving your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be strong and courageous in being faithful to God's plan. And now be strong and courageous in your obedience to God's word. He begins here, it's so clear, he says it twice, that you are to be careful, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses commanded you. Then again, verse 8, he says, To do these things so that you may be careful to do all that is written in the law. We are to be careful. We are to be devoted to. We are to be disciplined in our obedience. We are to strive diligently to know God's law, to know God's rules, and then to do them. And if we're to be careful to do this, we need some more help. We need some more instruction. The Lord lays out three specific ways here, and we'll run through these very quickly. But the Lord lays out three ways to be careful to do all according to what is written. Firstly, in verse 7, he says, Do not turn from it. Do not turn from the law to the right or to the left. This is a plain command that we must do just as the Lord has commanded. We do not add to God's law. We do not take away from God's law. We do not make exceptions to God's law. We do exactly what the Lord has said. God is God. We are not. We cannot come up with our own interpretation of his rules and laws. Our interpretations of the scripture, of what God has commanded us, must be in step and in line with all of scripture. We cannot make our own rules. The Lord makes the rules and he commands that we follow them. He commands that we follow them exactly. We don't add to, we don't subtract from, and then we do them. We keep them. We walk in obedience. The Lord then says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This book of the law shall always be on your lips. Matthew Henry had an interesting application here to the life of Joshua, and I think we can tie it into ourselves as well. Henry said that all of Joshua's orders to the people and all of his judgments upon the appeals made to him must be consistent with the law of God. Upon all occasions, he must speak according to God's rule, according to God's law. Now, Joshua, you know, he was the leader, so the people would come to him, and he would give counsel, he would make rulings, and the Lord tells him, you must always speak according to my law. You have no right, you have no reason to deviate from the law. And friends, even though we're not judges of one another, we don't have any any authority over each other like Joshua had over the people of Israel, we still have this command when we counsel with one another, when we live life alongside one another, when we confront sin in one another, when we hold each other accountable, we cannot deviate from the Scripture. So if your life is deviated from the Scripture and somebody comes and holds you accountable for that, you submit yourself to the Scripture. Maybe you go and you think that you're holding somebody accountable to something and and they say, well, you know, Dear brother, dear sister, that doesn't really accord with God's word. That is your personal conviction. You can live out your conviction, but that is not a rule of God. You cannot add to the word of God. And if somebody lays that out for you, then you submit to that. 
we live under the authority of Scripture and Scripture alone. If you're not speaking in accordance with God's written and revealed word, dear friend, it is altogether better that you don't speak at all. You will do more damage than you will help if you bring a rule or take a rule away from someone if it is out of step with God's word. Speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth with patience. Speak the truth with humility. Speak the truth with a willingness and an openness to be corrected. For we do not always know every detail that goes into a situation or an action. If we are going to confront one another, and God willing, I hope we do that because that's what Scripture lays forth for the people of God, you must do so knowing that you could do it and then be proven to be wrong. That does happen. We don't always know all that goes into something that somebody has done. Now, if you see something that's out of step, go to that brother or that sister and confront it. But again, speak the truth in love, with patience, and with great humility. So do not turn from the law to the left or to the right. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And the third way that we are careful to do all that is according to God's law is that you shall meditate, verse 8, you shall meditate on it day and night. So what does it mean to meditate on Scripture? I was reading a book this week and um, it quoted Don Whitney. It said, Don Whitney described meditation on Scripture as letting the Bible brew in your brain. Now, y'all know I love coffee, so that just rings real clear and real true to my mind. It's letting your mind dwell upon the Scripture. Letting your mind be steeped in the Scripture, dwelling and, and thinking upon what God has written. If we are to, if we meditate on the Scriptures, if we let the Scriptures lead and fill our hearts and our minds, we will become more like Christ. The more time you spend learning of Christ, the more time you spend communing with Christ, the more control the Holy Spirit will have of your life. If you do not know God's Word, if you do not know the God of the Word, the Holy Spirit will not control your life. Spend your time meditating upon the Holy Scriptures, reading and thinking and churning over. Read Scripture more than one time. Don't just blaze through your chapter for the day and then move on. Stop. Think about it. What is, what is this author trying to say? What was he saying to his original audience? What does that mean to us today? How does that apply to us today subserviently to what it meant to the original people. It doesn't mean one thing to them today and another thing to us today. It means the same thing yesterday, today, and forever. So study, meditate, order your life according to the word. Do not deviate from the prescriptions. Speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. And, and let the word dictate and press you in everything that you do. Meditate and dwell upon God's truth. And then the Holy Spirit will fill you. This command from the Lord to Joshua is directly relatable to us today. We must be strong and courageous in our obedience to the truth. The world will bring about everything it can to cause you to fall away from obedience to Scripture. 
We live in an evil and a perverse generation, an evil and perverse time, and the world will attack you in every way. So you, dear friend, you you might sit there and think, well, I do need to obey. I need to strive to obey. No, you need to be strong. You need to be courageous. You need to be bold. You need to be devoted in your obedience because the world will do everything it can to pull you away from that obedience. And as we've seen in our time today, the Lord is very serious about disobedience because the Lord is holy. The Lord will not overlook sin in the lives of his people. For we, collectively as God's people, we are called to be set apart from the world. We're called to walk in righteousness before the Lord. And as we think back about the the story of Achan, uh, we, we understand, I think, that in a way, our success in faithfully serving the Lord as a church is dependent upon each one of our individual walks with the Lord. If you're walking in sin, if you are living in any type of unrepentant sin, you are hindering not only yourself, but you're hindering an entire church from serving the Lord because God will not tolerate sin among his people. So friends, we must order our lives according to the word. We must do so again, remembering the end of Moses' life. That's just, uh, that whole idea of what happened with Moses is, it's not troubling to me because of course we trust the Lord. We know the Lord is good and faithful and holy and just but it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's humbling to think about a man who walked so faithfully. He gave his life to serve and to lead God's people when God's people were often a stubborn and stiff-necked and difficult people. And yet, he was so faithful and he failed in that instant and the Lord said, Moses, that's it. You disobeyed. You will not lead the people into the promised land. That's just, it's, It should cause us to stop and to think. It should cause us to stop and examine our own lives. And ultimately, I think we should come to this conclusion that we must walk with the Lord according to his word. We must be willing to forsake all things for the sake of living in a way that pleases and honors and glorifies the Lord. As we walk with the Lord according to his word by the power of his spirit, he will give us strength to obey. He will give us strength to fight temptation. And so we must do this. We must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We must strive to be strong and courageous in our stand upon the truth. And dear friends, we must be driven in all that we do, that we do all these things, not for our own glory, not for the building of our own kingdom, not for the furtherance even of our own church, but ultimately for the Lord's glory. For he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to receive all honor and all glory. So let's walk faithfully with him. Let's strive to obey him. Let's strive to be strong and courageous in our forsaking sin and trying to honor the Lord in all that we do. And with our technical difficulties this morning, we'll close with a word of prayer. And I'll give you a few announcements after that, and um, then we will dismiss. So let's go to the Lord.